191. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest, rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that strikes in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. Uh, lovely to see you all this morning. We've reached the end of this mini-series that we've been doing in the, uh, the last few weeks on storylines. Uh, and today, the theme is simply about the story continuing. So we have been thinking about the Old Testament, we've been thinking about the, uh, the, the law and the prophets, we've been thinking about the birth, the death, the resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ, uh, and today we're thinking about our place in that story, where we fit in to that story. But we're doing so particularly by thinking about these times that we live in. Because the Bible and God has so much to say about these times that we are living in. They're interesting times. They're challenging times uh, for many people. And God does not ignore that. The Bible is not irrelevant uh, to all of that. Quite the opposite. So what I want us to do this morning is think about that sense of the story of Christ's love, Christ's redemption, Christ's grace, Christ's mercy continuing through the arc of history, but for us to think about where we are in this particular moment, in this particular season, uh, in relation to all of that. I'm going to start by telling you a story. Does anybody know who Henry Francis Light was? Well, I could be discouraged at this point, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, Johnny does. Uh, uh, I could be discouraged that only one person knows, but that's okay. I suppose it gives me something to say. Uh, if you all knew, then, uh, then that would be no good either. Henry Francis Light uh, wo went to school in Enniskillen. He went to Portora School in Enniskillen. And then he went on to university. Uh, he went to Trinity College in Dublin. And while he was there, he sensed that God was calling him to be a Church of, uh, a Church of England minister, uh, and he packed up, went over to England 
served his curacy in the southwest of England uh, in Cornwall. Uh, he traveled through about three churches in, uh, in Cornwall. And then he was eventually appointed as rector to a church in the small fishing community of South Brixham, uh, which is in South Devon. And he remained there for 24 years. In the course of his ministry, one day, Henry Light was called to visit a friend. This friend of his, also a minister actually, was dying. And he was called to visit him because this friend hadn't got long left. And as Henry Light visited the friend, and they talked and they prayed together, and the friend was gradually slipping away, what happened was that Light very clearly even though his friend was a little bit breathless and a little bit weak in voice, Light clearly heard his friend repeating the same words over and over again in this gentle voice. Abide with me. Abide with me. Abide with me. And for Light, this was like a real kind of turning point in his own journey of faith, seeing somebody slipping away seeing somebody at the end of their life, seeing somebody in such a, a challenging position, to be so anchored in their faith, so trusting that God was there with that person in that most difficult of moments. Even Henry Light, this minister at a church in England, found this quite overwhelming, and it, it shaped his ministry uh, for the years after that. In subsequent years, Light himself went on to develop some respiratory problems. He eventually uh, was diagnosed with tuberculosis, uh, incurable uh, in those days, and he decided that um, as his life uh, span was coming to an end and he didn't have that much longer to go, he thought that he would move over to France, to the south of France, in the hope that maybe the sunnier climes, the warmer, drier air, uh, air might just give him a little bit of time, might just buy him a few more uh, months of life. And as he planned to move away, and he preached his final sermon to his people in South Brixham on a Sunday morning, he went back to his house that afternoon, throwing his things into boxes, getting ready to get the boat over to France, and suddenly he remembered that episode with his friend, where his friend was saying, abide with me, abide with me, abide with me. And the legacy that left for Light in his own life. And Light thought to himself, I can't just leave here and go to the south of France. I sense that God is telling me that I have to leave a legacy as well. And inspired by that moment, abide with me, he sat down that afternoon and in a few short hours, with everything else going on, he wrote the very famous hymn, Abide With Me. And it's become a great classic. It's played, yes, it's played at funerals uh, for obvious reasons, but it's, it's also actually played uh, at weddings quite a lot. It's played in big state occasions. It's played at big sporting events. It's played at big national events uh, as well uh, from time to time. And I think that's because there's something about that you know, those words, abide with me, that reminds us that we as human beings cannot do life on our own. We aren't designed to do life 
on our own. We share, all of us, this common connection or this common humanity deep in our souls. We share this deep yearning for connection during life's difficult seasons. And it's that sense of wanting this knowledge that someone is with us, being with us at these difficult moments that is, that is fundamental to who we are as human beings. Whether we are people of faith or not people of faith, we all crave that sense of connection and someone being with us at moments of trial and moments of difficulty uh, in life. And I think that's why it's sung at big sporting occasions. It seems a bit odd, you know, the FA Cup final has abide with me at it and people sing it uh, and everything. And you're watching it and you think, you know, what's that all about? Yes, it's a tradition that started in the 1920s, but there's something deeper about it. It's because, you know, it's a big national occasion, a big sporting occasion. Everyone gets together in a stadium and around their football screens, around their TV screens to watch this football match or the rugby match that's on. And it reminds us who we are as human beings about our common humanity. It's, um, it's been sung every year, as I say, and in 2020, there was a very memorable uh, rendition of it by Emily Sande uh, at Wembley. Uh, it was very poignant because it was during the height of the COVID crisis, and it was sung in memory of those who'd lost their lives uh, to COVID. But it was sung to an empty stadium because there were no spectators there uh, that year. So Emily Sandy sings it in his video uh, beamed into uh, the, to the stadium and to those watching uh, at home. And we're going to watch it now for, uh, for a couple of minutes uh, uh, for anyone who doesn't uh, know it. But this particular version of it, even if you do know it, uh, is, uh, is a really nice one. So uh, Flo, if you could uh, play for us Emily Sunday. Deepens, Lord, with me above. 
We all crave presence, connection, community as we go through life. That is how we were designed. We need all of these things. And while I'm not sure that everybody at Wembley sings Abide With Me with that deep spiritual religious connection to those words that we will be thinking about today, the song does nevertheless speak to the deepest needs of human beings in life's difficult times. Abide With Me is a declaration about how we do life and yet, for Henry Light, as for all followers of Christ, there is only one way to do life that will ultimately give peace and perspective and a deep sense of security, even in the most troubling and challenging of seasons, and that is a life with God. Abide with me declares that it is through God alone that life has meaning and that suffering has purpose. Abide with me is not just words. It's a prayer to God, a prayer that says, I need you, Lord, as long as I live in faith that my destiny is secure in you, no matter what I go through, even death itself, I triumph still if thou abide with me. And today I think it's really timely that we think about what it means to abide in God as we consider those words from Psalm 91 that Ben read for us. And we do so in the light of God's promise to us in verses 14 and 15 of that psalm, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in me. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. That sense of God being with us in trouble is where we get the phrases that we use in our outreach campaigns, in our compassion campaigns, in our, our evangelistic campaigns. We are with you because God is with us. That's the message that we send to those who don't know it. Henry Light was suffering from tuberculosis and suffering from coming towards the end of life. That's tuberculosis is probably not something that any of us will go through given treatments these days. But we all have troubles. We all have things in life that present huge challenges to us. They mightn't even seem that big to other people, but to us they are big. So what is it in life that troubles you today? What is the situation or the anxiety that you just know deep down you cannot fix this yourself? You don't have an easy solution to it, and you know deep down that you need God to help you fix this problem. There's also a context for it. We have our individual lives with our individual stories, our individual circumstances, but we are all, for better or worse, living in a context 
that has seen us having to come to terms with financial crisis, followed by global health crisis, followed by global climate crisis, followed by global security crisis, and now cost of living crisis. It just seems to be one thing after the other in this era that we are living through. It's an interesting time. It's a challenging time. It's easy to become disillusioned. It's easy to become shattered by the whole thing, actually. And yet God says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer, and I will be with them in trouble. Psalm 91 could almost have been written for the times that we live in. It was written for the times that we live in. God's Word is timeless. God has something to say about these times that we are going through. But He also has a promise in the midst of that that gives us hope and assurance and confidence. And I think that hope and assurance and confidence that we read at, uh, in texts like this is something that the world is crying out to hear at this particular moment in time. I love this psalm because it's absolutely brutal. It doesn't sugarcoat anything. But it reassures us in that, that God doesn't ignore disease. He doesn't ignore pandemics. He doesn't ignore what might be going on inside our body. He doesn't ignore all kinds of suffering that we might be going through. He doesn't ignore any of the troubles that we are going through. He tells us they are real. They exist. And more than that, he tells us that we will live in a world where there is trouble. And he tells us in this psalm that it's easy, if we're not careful, to slip into a mindset where we are constantly filled with worry and anxiety. That's why we're told, do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness. Do not dread the disaster that strikes at midday. But just beside it, do not be afraid of the terrors of the night. How many of us have had episodes where we're wide awake at three in the morning with something churning over in our heads? Have you noticed how those episodes tend to intensify and multiply when we live in this context where the media keeps telling us about all these problems and troubles in life? Our own circumstances tend to magnify in that context. That's because we're being conditioned for fear. That's because we're constantly being told about all of the reasons to be anxious. And if we're careful, we can slip into this climate or state of anxiety. And we experience those terrors of the night where we start worrying about our future, and we start worrying about our children's future, and we start worrying about our relatives, and we start worrying about our health, and we start worrying about some meeting or appointment that's coming up in the week ahead, and we start worrying about paranoia, and all of these things can start accumulating. And they keep us wide awake, and they begin to affect our emotional health, and our spiritual health, and even our mental health. And they generally rob us of the peace, 
the assurance, the joy that God promises is ours in Christ. So God says, yes, these things are real. Let's not ignore them. The church has got to have something to say about these things if we're to connect with people where they are. But God also says there's a way of dealing with them in ways that anchor us in peace and confidence. And that involves abiding in God. And we're going to say more in a moment about what that means. But I think it's important, first of all, that we deal with what it doesn't mean. One of the most challenging things that I have seen and had to deal with in, uh, in the most recent years is during this kind of season of pandemic, but it's more than pandemic, it's a season of trial, just people who have not turned into God, but have turned away from God, who've fallen away from their faith in the last few years. And we probably all know people like that. We might have friends like that. We might have relatives like that. And it's incredibly painful to watch. And we pray for them, and God's gate of mercy is open to them, and there's always a return, and we, we, we hope and tray, pray and trust that there will be uh, a return, but it's difficult. It is difficult, especially if it's a family member. It is difficult to watch that happen in somebody's life. I've also heard people saying recently that, you know, the big thing they have learned over the last few years is I've got to put myself first in life. I've just got to look after myself because nobody else will look after me. I've heard people saying that the big lesson that they've taken from the last few years is that you just invest in your family. You put your family first and foremost. You look after your family, and that's it. That's it. Do not get me wrong. Looking after yourself is important. Looking after your family is important. Showing love to your neighbors is important. We're called to do all of those things. But what God says to us is if we put our security in those things, then in fact, we're putting ourselves in a really vulnerable position. We cannot rely on our own strength to navigate the challenges of life. You can have the best job in the world. You can have the biggest bank account in the world. You can have the best health insurance in the world. But if you are lying wide awake at three in the morning, worrying about something that your money or your job or your health insurance cannot fix, then none of them will do you any good. And while, of course, we look after each other in difficult times, it's an extension of God's love, we do that, we're called to do that. But if we put our trust first and foremost in other people, then actually what's going to happen is that we're going to become disillusioned. Because no matter how good people's intentions are, and most people's intentions are good, but no matter how good they are, no one is infallible. No one is the solution to every problem. There are limits to what human beings can do. So if we try to find security in other people, the danger is that we eventually feel let down, we eventually feel abandoned or isolated. But God tells us instead, in Psalm 91 and, and other places in the Bible, we don't have to feel vulnerable at difficult times. 
But he says there's only one way to ensure that we do not become overwhelmed by life's troubles. And really symbolically and really importantly, it's right there in verse 1. The whole rest of the psalm about don't be anxious, don't be afraid, God is with you, God will rescue you, it all hinges on one verse. And that verse is, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Those who abide in God will, in the end, be protected by God from all challenge, all trial, all evil. It doesn't say we'll be exempt from them as we go through life. It doesn't say we'll be spared all sorts of testing and challenging times, but it does say we will come through them. We'll come through them unscathed, safe in God. Jesus himself put it a slightly different way. Uh, he told a story about it. It was a parable, uh, the parable of the vine and the branches. And he said, you've got to think about it like this. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, if there's that connection, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So we need to abide in Christ if we're going to come through life's difficulties. But we've got to understand what that means. Sometimes throw these words around in churches uh, and, uh, and we assume everyone knows what they mean. We don't always know what they mean. Um, and it's important that we really do understand what, what words like that mean, um, especially words like abide that are slightly old-fashioned in, in some ways, but, but are really important. Well, let's listen again. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Lord will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He is my refuge and fortress, my God in whom I trust. It's kind of spelled out there for us. It's about dwelling in God. It's about resting in God. It's about trusting in God. To abide in God is not just something we do from time to time. It's not just an action we do. It's not like coming to church just on a Sunday and then disappearing again. It's about our entire lives, all week, all month, all year, all of our lives. It's about who we are as people. It's a template for how we live our lives. It's saying that you find your security in God, in good times and bad. It means building a relationship with God through prayer, through daily Bible reading. It means, as we do that, understanding and claiming for ourselves God's promises to us in and through His Word. It means taking time to give thanks for the times when those promises are fulfilled in our own lives, that we really connect with them in our own lives. It means sticking the course. Abide is about stickability. It's not a kind of here today, gone tomorrow. That doesn't work in life. It's sticking the course. It's the journey of faith in good times and bad not easy, but it's utterly transformative to how we do life, how we see life, how we approach challenges in life. 
And you know, I think there are certain moments in life where we are called to recommit ourselves to that journey, to that abiding in God. There are times when we slip. There are times when we aren't as as trusting in God as we should be. There are times when we, we begin to slip and put more trust in ourselves and in other people than in God, and things start to go wrong at those times. And there are times on that journey, and there are times of grace when we are invited to recommit ourselves as people who abide in God. That great hymn, Abide With Me, it was actually based on the story of the road to Emmaus. The story of the road to Emmaus is the story of just after Jesus's death. It's the story of two disciples who are walking down a road. And these disciples, these followers of Christ, who put all of their hope in him, all of their promise in him, who believed everything that he said, who gave up their whole lives for him, at that moment, all they knew was that he was put to death on a cross. They didn't know about the resurrection at that point. And they're walking down this road, hopeless, confused, feeling God's abandoned them, feeling God's forgotten about them, feeling that none of his promises have come true, wondering why all of this has happened to them. Don't we all feel that from time to time? And they're walking down this road and they're thinking about all of these things. And then suddenly this person comes along and walks with them in a part of their journey. And they don't recognize this person for who he is. And what happens at that moment is that they feel this, this real strong power from the presence that comes from this person. And as the journey comes to an end, they actually say, stay with us to the person, or the, some translations of the Bible are, abide with us. For it's nearly evening, the day is almost over, so they invite him in for dinner, but they don't want this person to, le to leave their lives. There's something about the presence of this person that lifts them from their trouble, that, that puts their trouble in its proper perspective and lifts them to a place of contentment and security and, and peace uh, in themselves. And it's only at dinner that evening as this person breaks the bread that they realize that it's the resurrected Christ, that everything is true, that, the, that death is not the end, that the, the cross is empty, that the promises are true, that everything they were told were true. And it's a transformative moment uh, when they feel completely overwhelmed by God's love and God's grace and, uh, and God's protection uh, to them in life. And they say, there's a lovely little bit at the end of it where they say, and they reflect on all of this, and they say, were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning as he did that? Do we, need, do we need that sense of God walking with us this morning? Are our hearts maybe a bit crestfallen about something at the moment? Are we just weary at the moment? Are, we, are there issues in our lives at the moment that have distracted us from the shelter and the security and the love that we have in God? 
we tried to fix things on our own strength? Have we turned to other people for help in life, knowing that actually they can't solve this thing for us? Are our hearts empty as a result of that? Do we need to have, feel our hearts burning again, burning with joy, burning with peace, burning with that sense of life in all its fullness that only Jesus can give? Well, I think this is a moment uh, in the story uh, of our lives. It's a moment for us to recognize that Christ is saying to us, do not be overwhelmed by this thing. Do not be, do not be consumed by dread about this thing. Do not, whether it's something in your life or these big things in life, don't be overwhelmed by all of this. Yes, there are troubles around you, but stop striving to try and fix them because you can't. Stop turning to other people to try and fix them because they can't either. There are some things that are just beyond our control. Instead, trust, rest, trust that in his death and resurrection and that empty cross and that empty tomb, that he's overcome all of these things. Hand all of these things over to him as he invites us to do. Hand all of these concerns over to him. Hand these terrors of the night over to him. Find rest in him. Abide in him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that, that you're a God who recognizes that we will go through difficult things in life and we will face all sorts of challenges and trials in life. And they might be big things that we all go through together, or they might be things that are just unique to our own lives that we have to deal with. But Lord, no matter what they are, none of them. It's too big for you. And Father, we thank you that your promise to us is that when we hand these things over to you, when we abide in the safety and the security of you, that, that fear and that crippling worry and that anxiety, that they are lifted and our hearts can be filled as though two, two disciples' hearts were filled with the presence and the love and the security of Christ. Lord, in this moment, this moment of stillness and calm in your presence, we just open our hearts and we just open our, we just open our hands even and we just hand over to you anything in our lives that's holding us back from that great love and that great, that great soaring, burning, f alive feeling in our hearts that you want us to feel. And we hand them over to you.
And Lord, we say we're sorry for those times when we've tried to fix things ourselves and we, we recognize the mess that we get into when we try and do that. And Father God, we just say to you today that we trust you. We trust you with all of these things. We trust that all will be well. And we trust in your promise that you will rescue those who love you and you will protect in those who trust in your name. So Lord, today, we say to you, I need your presence every passing hour. We need your grace, Lord, to carry us through life, to be our guide. We need you to lift us to those places of life. And we say, Lord, with deep trust, as Henry Light did, I fear no foe, no enemy with you at my side to bless. Ills have no weight and tears no bitterness. Where is death's sting? Where grave your victory? Because I triumph still when you abide with me. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.